Turning to Ezekiel, just before the book of Daniel, Ezekiel chapter 17, just for a couple of verses, and then we're going to Mark's gospel for a couple of verses there. So first of all, the 17th chapter of Ezekiel, and the verse 8. I want you to watch for the specific word, the repetitive word in these verses. Speaking about Israel, which was likened on to the vine tree, says in verse 8, It was planted in a good soil by great waters that it might bring forth branches and that it might bear fruit that it might be a goodly vine. Say thou thus, says the Lord God, shall it prosper? Shall he not pull up the roots thereof and cut off the fruit thereof that it wither? It shall wither. And all the leaves of her spring, even without great power or many people to pluck it up by the roots thereof, yea, behold, being planted, shall it prosper, and it shall not utterly wither. When the east wind toucheth it, it shall wither in the furrows where it grew. Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, please. And verse 1. You might like to know that during the earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus, he wrought and performed seven miracles on the Sabbath day. One that we're going to read from in Mark 3 and 1 to 5 was the fourth miracle. So let's read it. And he went again to the synagogue, and there was a man which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. We know that God will bless to us the reading of his precious word. Matthew and Luke also 
records this incident. But Luke is more accurate than the others, for Luke tells us that it was his right hand. Luke, being a physician, was more particular. There was nothing wrong with this man's arm. He stretched it out. There was nothing wrong with his feet. He could stand up. There was nothing wrong with his legs. He could step out, or his ears, or his eyes. The problem was with his hand. It was withered. It was dried up. Now, from reading the three accounts, we know that it was not palsy that he had. We know that it wasn't leprosy that he had. Some think maybe it was an infirmity from his birth. But some of the reliable secular scholars, and usually some of them are accurate, said that he had an accident at his work or employment. Now let that be so or not, the Bible doesn't tell us that he was a stonemason. Maybe a wall fell on him. Maybe some boy hit him a champ of a hammer and the blood circulation ceased. They had no medical help in those days. And the arm was left limp and crushed and lifeless and useless. It's this word withered that has drawn my attention to this meeting for this meeting this morning. You'll find the word 58 times in the Bible. It means to be whistled and shiveled up and shrunk and dried up. Now you'll agree with me this morning when I say it's bad enough when it's in a plant or a tree or a leaf or a flower or a November cabbage that's hit by the frost. But when it, when it refers to a nation as it, it does as we read about Israel in those verses in Ezekiel, that's another thing. But when it refers to a person, that's the worst thing maybe of all. When a man or a woman is in the house of God on the Sabbath day and they're dried up, spiritually dry, withered, lifeless, that must be awful altogether. And I'm sad to say that it is the state of, will be the state of many, many across our province this morning in the house of God. Lifeless, powerless. Now, we don't have to go too far in our Lord's ministry till we come across this again. So I want you to put your eyes down to chapter 4, the next chapter to Mark 3. And verse 3, here we have the parable of the sower. Behark and a sower, Jesus says, went forth 
to sow. Now, let me say something before I go on to make the point what I'm making. There's nothing wrong with the seed that the sower was sowing. It was good seed. And there was nothing wrong with the sower. He was doing his work. In fact, we read in another scripture where the sowers went forth weeping, bearing precious seed. And and they wept because they had a large family, some of them, and the rains hadn't come, and they hadn't very much seed, and every bit of that seed they were praying as they scattered it that it it might strike and that the rains would come so they could feed the family in the wintertime. So sowers went forth. I was listening to David Gibbs one night there, an American lawyer. He was in Africa. He was in a primitive part of Africa where there was a famine. And after he had ministered to them, this woman came over to him. She said, Mr. Gibbs, how do you in America, how do you in America, you Christians pray, and what do you pray for? And he says, why do you ask that question? Well, you have everything. You have two or three houses, you have cars, you have money, you have caravans, you have have everything. What do you pray for? She says, you know, if we don't pray, we don't eat. We don't eat. Maybe it would take a famine to bring us to the prayer meetings. Maybe it would take a famine to bring us to our knees. Well, there's been a famine of hearing the word of God in this land for a long time that hasn't brought many to the knees. There's nothing wrong with the seed and there's nothing wrong with the sower. The problem problem is with the soil. I've never preached in all my days on the parable of the sower. But as I was looking at it the other day, I said, there's four kinds of, there's four kinds of soil. The, 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 the sower might have flung too heavy and flung it out onto the hard ground, onto the wayside and the, and the, the pigeons and the, and the seagulls and the crows watching for it, snatched it away and took it out of the road and it was gone. Wasted seed, wasted time, wasted energy. So much seed has been sown across our land and it's a very sad thing when you come into gospel meetings and the seed of the word of God is sown and just as soon as it's sown, the devil's down and he snatches it away. How do you know that? You know it when after the meeting, when you see them laughing and chatting and teeing. Hasn't got a grip. It's gone. The devil's there before you. So there's stolen seed, and then there's strangled seed in verse 7, where the, where the thorns grow up and choked cares of this world. Then there's a successful seed in verse 8, and there's three kinds of it. There's only a very small percentage of it goes through. But in verse 8, in verse 5, there's another seed. 
And some fell on stony ground where there had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. If you have to turn a page, turn to verse, 15, to verse 16 and verse 17, and you'll read in verse 16 how he explains this. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they've heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time, and afterward arises, uh, and when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. He gives more verses to this type of sea, this type of soil, than any other, twice as much nearly. So, what was wrong with the seed that fell on the stony ground and withered? When the sun rose up, it scorched, and it was withered, and it was gone. Not much earth, no depth, no root. That's what the scripture says. Now I want to make a very powerful point this morning, and I trust it gets through. This stony ground doesn't mean a collection of stones with the soil on top of it. Otherwise the stem or the root would get through the stones. The word stone here is rock. There's a scattering of soil over a rock. And it's incubi- the seed is incubated by the heat in that land and the heat even of the stone and the heat of the rock. It's incubated, incubated and, and, it's, and it rears up quickly. And Jesus is talking to that about people. With joy and with gladness it, it springs up. But once the sun rises, once the pressure comes on, it shrivels. It goes down as quick as it comes up. Sort of a jack-in-the-box thing. There are a lot of jack-in-the-boxes about today. When our girls were small, we had a jack-in-the-box. And they used to say to me, is there anything in here? And of course I was saying, oh, there's nothing in there. Well, look. So I'd get me go over it and they'd, some of them would be laughing and sniggling and up the boy would come. And then he'd go down as quick. A lot of jack-in-the-boxes. Oh, but how sad that must be when we apply it to the sowing of the seed of the gospel, and we apply it to me, to sinners and to men and women. How sad it must be for the sower. How wasteful the seed. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that it's all over the place. It's starved. The seed is starved, not strangled. It's starved, not stolen, starved. Let me caricature that what I'm saying this morning, put it into our language. A man or woman comes to a gospel meeting. The preacher gets up and he 
He says, and come to Jesus and have your sins forgiven. God loves you. It's all true. Come and you'll have your past blotted out. He has his arms out. He's full of compassion. He's a God of great love. There's a mansion in heaven. If you have cancer or some other disease, he'll heal you and he'll cure you and he'll bless you. And now they're putting chairs out in the middle. This is a new phenomenon now. There's chairs going out into the middle of the marketplace in the street. Ask them what they were doing. Oh, there's a lot of sick people out here. There's people with cancer and there's people with Alzheimer's and there's people with depression. And we're telling them to come into the chair and we're praying with them. What are you praying for? That the Lord would heal them. Would he not need to save them first? I said. Somehow they don't want you talking about that. We time that we wakened up to these things. If you're sick or you're depressed or you have a drug problem, Jesus is the Jesus is the cure. Yes, he is. And then some of them, oh boy, I want that. That would suit me very well. Heaven, the past blotted out, cancer gone, all the depression gone. Oh boy, I, who would not want that? Who wouldn't want that? To get rid of drugs and to get rid of drunk and to get rid of the... Who wouldn't want it? Sure, the whole country out there is mad looking for something like that. They're all tired. I heard some of them, I'm sick listening to the news about the Queen. Every time you turn, I've turned off the television there last week. The Queen, the Queen, it's going on and on, repetitive all the time, everything, everything, time. My mind's going. Why would it not? People are looking for peace. They're looking for happiness. They're looking for joy. Somebody gets up and he says, right, come on. Here it is. Come to Jesus. All will be well. They scurry away into the interview room. Some pastor, some minister, some evangelist prays that we pray with them and everybody's excited and oh, oh revival's coming. Hallelujah. Go on out and tell them what happened to you. In a lot of cases, nothing has happened. And I'll tell you why. And everybody's excited and the pastors are grateful and our church is seeing blessing. There's another one last night and there's 10 the other night and there's 20 the other night. No very good now. Very good. But you see, the seed never went down past the rock. The rock was never smashed. It was never broken. There was no repentance. There was no tears. I'm not saying that you have to have tears to be saved. There's no repentance, there's no tears, there's no cross, there's no blood, there's no Christ. Do you want to be a deacon? Aye. Do you want to be baptized? Aye. You're going to join the church? Aye. And all the time the seed struggling to get past, but it can't get past the rock. 
Now you just hold tight this morning, for this is where we are. And I prayed to God, I prayed to him often, I said, Lord, I never want to stand on that pulpit on the lifeboat again if I don't have a message from thee. I'm prepared to ring Stephen any Saturday night or any other man if I haven't got a message. But as we pass fooling about, I, we have suffered this far too long. But then when the sun rises and the trials come and the persecution come and they're off the mountaintop experience, Oh, we never expected this. We, we never expected hardship and suffering. We were never told to surrender everything unto the Lord. We were never told to be taken up our cross and following the Lord. Nobody told us that. Well, they told us about, they never told us about the sufferings of Christ. They told us about the glory that's going to follow, but they never told us about the sufferings of Christ. They never told us about, take up your cross and follow me. Oh, no. That's a different story. They never said that we had to die, get on the cross and die, and repent and turn and flee from the things we were doing. They never told us that through much tribulation we'll enter into the kingdom. In the late 60s, and in the very early 70s, the charismatic movement broke out in Dublin. And I've always believed that the charismatic movement was to a certain extent used of God. Because many Catholics came to the Lord through it that still went on with the Lord. I'm not condemning it. But then the devil They went bus loads from Enniskillen they thought that the revival had started in Dublin. Men, godly praying men from Fermanagh went down and they'd come back and they said, the Lord is at work. But the devil got in. And we weren't long saved at the time and there was a meeting in Craig Avon and Pat was there and this is where we began to see that, it, that there was something not right about it because someone said to Pat, you should never have left the Catholic Church. You should come in, go back to your church and win them in the church. You can't do that. So we saw things that weren't right. It sprouted up for a while, but you know when the trials and the persecution and leaving your family and leaving your home and selling all and going to the giving to the poor and coming through with God and taking up your cross, that's different. We don't want that. No, we, 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 never, we never asked for that. No, you didn't. No brokenness, no contrition. Are you saying to me that these people are not saved that I'm talking about? I'm not saying anything. I'm only telling you what the Word says. What does the Word say? Well, Jesus said they had no root and they endured for a little time until the affliction come, persecution come, tribulation come, and testing, test, testing come. And they went down just like the jack-in-the-box. We never told we'd be diagnosed with cancer the next day. I was never told my wife would die within a month of getting saved. I was never told that our boys would go on drugs. 
I was never told that I would go into depression. We were never told that we might have to leave our job and leave our home and leave our families and come and follow Christ. We were never told that. We don't want that. No, they don't. Do you want that? What sort of a gospel do you want? Do you want? That's what Jesus told the boy that jumped up one day and he says, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. He says, the foxes of holes, the birds of the air of nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That was the end of him. No mansions and handouts and holiday homes. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Plenty wrong with it as far as God's people are concerned. Some of them. The fox of holes and the birds of the air and earth. Are you prepared to go that way? No, 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 no. We, we, we. What do you want? Well, I'll tell you what they want. Remember the rich young ruler? Powerful illustration of this. He came running to Jesus. He fell at the feet of Jesus. He was rich, he was young, he was ruler. He sprang up just like that, but he went back as quick and down as quick and withered as quick. Sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. (laughs) He didn't run back. The word says here they were offended. That word offended is the word scandalized. They were deceived, they were hoodwinked. They were told to be easy, believe us. They were told, come to Jesus and all will be well. But once the truth, and here's the truth, my friend, once the truth of the cross and the gospel and repentance and brokenness and being sick and tired of your old ways and your old sin, until that root gets through past the rock and gets a root, there'll be no fruit. We don't want the commands of Christ. We don't want the principles and the patterns of the church. We don't want to tithe our tenth and we don't want to be harassed about prayer meetings and tables. Do you know why that is? Because there's no root, there's no earth. There's no teaching. We don't want that that King James translation. We don't want to put on hats at the Lord's table. We don't want want what the Word of God says. We want what we think ourselves is right. Mm -hmm. Laodicea. Laodicea, the word means they've done right in their own eyes. And let's look around you this morning. Look around you this morning. So what do they do? 
Well, the Join the Hines Club. 57 varieties. The a la carte and the new men. We'll find a place that will suit us. Mm-hmm. They will. Oh, boy and girl. Scores them. We'll, we'll find some place where we are comfortable in, where we feel is the right place to be, and what we want to do, not what God wants to do, not what the Word says, no, no, no. We will find some place where we'll clap and we'll sing and we'll hug and we'll guzzle at the beer still. Hard this morning, is it? You've heard nothing yet. We'll go to somewhere we, we, where the pastor says it's all right to shop on Sunday and to guzzle at beer and to live together. Do you know, Bertie, this has gone out to th- maybe a thousand this morning on YouTube last... Well, good. Good. For if ever we needed to hear this, we need to hear it. Oh, we want some who we can live, we can live together, and even a man can live with a man. Our pastor says there's nothing wrong. It doesn't matter what your pastor says. We want some place where there's 15 minutes on a Sunday morning, and there's nothing at night, and we can go to the cinema at night. My friend, from a heart that's heavy this morning, I don't blame the people. I blame the pastors and ministers and elders and churches. They're preaching another gospel. And if they preach another gospel, Paul says, let them be accursed. Anathema. We have more broken homes and broken hearts across this land this morning. We have more split homes. We have more people, young people across this land this morning who don't know what to believe. They made a false profession. And they're everywhere today. You can't find them. The route never went down past a rock. And if you're going to be saved this morning, you'll need to repent of your sins. And the Holy Spirit will need to drive you to Christ. Oh, you're very cruel and hard this morning. Not a bit. There's no water, no word, no moisture, nothing to feed the plant, nothing to feed the convicts when they do jump up. Plenty of numbers and plenty of noise and plenty of nonsense. Apostle Paul says the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine, speaking about, he says, the last days. He says, they'll be after their own lusts and they shall find loads of false teachers. That's what the word says. Loads of false teachers giving them itchy ears and they'll turn away from the truth. They'll turn away from the old gospel message and repentance and the blood and Christ and the resurrection and the power of God to save and to deliver. They'll turn away from the truth onto fables, buffoonery. 
And then he says to young Timothy when he was dying, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word, whether they like it or whether they don't, or whether they stay or whether they don't. Preach the word. And when you preach the word, you'll have always have those that will hear it and want it. We approved that here. We approved it here without a doubt. Let me close. Because there's other roots, you know. There's the root of the righteous that goes down deep. And thank God there's many in this assembly and the roots are down deep. And they have sprung up and they bore forth fruit for the glory of God. Oh yes, there's roots that have gone down past the rock. There's roots where there was repentance and brokenness and weeping and crying and the closet door closed and say, Lord, I don't want a false gospel. I don't want to be deceived. I want the word and I want to follow the word and I want to follow thee. There's those who have their tree planted by the rivers of water and this leaf shall not wither and it shall not perish. Let me give you a couple as a close. I tell you, Joseph had his roots down deep. You know that it says of Joseph that his branches went over the wall. Hallelujah. Boy, they were deep down. And our branches of witness and testimony will go out over the people round about us if the root's deep. And it's watered by the word of God. Forsaken by the brethren, Joseph. Forgotten by the butler. Lied to by a scheming woman for 13 years in prison. Never shook. Thank God for young men that have their roots deep. What about Shama? What about him? Do you remember the story of Shama? The Philistines came in every year when they had the harvest all ready to pick for their family for the, to keep them alive during the winter. The Philistines came in every year to the lentil patches and sweep down and ravaged their women and took their crops. And, and it says that the people of God fled. But Shammah says, I'm not fleeing anymore. It seemed to me that there was a time that Shammah did go with the rest of them and he fled, but he says, I'm fleeing no more. And I tell you, he had the roots deep. He says, I'm going to stand and I'm going to defend this lentil patch even I stand on my own. And he did stand on his own. And he drew the sword and with a mighty victory, God won a mighty victory. Defeated the enemy and gave victory and blessing. We're going to stand here with the sword drawn. And if people don't like it, I tell you, there's an a la carte. Oh, there's an a la carte man here too. Come on in here. You just take whatever you feel right. 
Never suits you. It doesn't matter what God says. You just, whatever, you, what do you want? That's, what, that's a question the elbow doubt. When they started a new church in a certain place not long ago, what sort of a church would you want? God help us. I tell you, Joseph had his roots down deep. Shammah had his roots down deep. Esther had her roots down deep. Haman went to the king and got him to sign a document that every Jew in the nation would be destroyed, every one of them. And he, Mordecai said to Esther, he says, you know, that means me and you. Right, she says, we'll call three days of prayer and fasting. And I forgot to say in my announcements, and I'm saying it now just in case I forget again, for I forget every half minute. We're calling Wednesdays here a day of prayer and fasting for whoever wants to join with us. I know many can't fast, and I know it doesn't suit others, and I know you're working people and all, but if only one meal a day, Wednesday is going to be a day of prayer and fasting for those who want to join with us. You're welcome to do it. You don't have to tell anybody. Between you and God, we'll be fasting on Wednesday, some of us here, until the Lord chose us different. So see, she, she said, oh, 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 yes, we'll call three. I'm going to call three days of prayer and fasting. And I'm going to go into before the king, which was death. She says, if I die, I die. The roots were deep. There was no jack-in-the-box or leaf blowing in the wind running at the first sign. What about Paul? Apostle. All the beatings, all the scourgings, all the shipwrecks, all the storms, all the lies. Couldn't blow out of them. Couldn't blow that root. Couldn't blow that plant. Couldn't blow that man of God. He said, the love of Christ constraineth me. It's not Christ's love for me, but my love for Christ. I love him with all my heart. Do you love him with all your heart? Do you read his word and what he tells you to do and what he says to do? You say, I love him with all my heart. I don't want to offend him. Oh, how I love Jesus. We sing it, we sing it. Do you love him with all your heart? Well then, if you love me, you'll obey me. Let me close with an illustration. 1980, I preached in Wigton Town Hall in Scotland. It was there that I was introduced for the first time to the Wigtown Martyrs, Presbyterian Scottish Covenanters, Many of them, two in particular. Mary McLaughlin, 16, Mary Wilson, 18. They staked them out in the Solway Forest, the older woman out in front, and the 18 year old behind. 
1685, for they refused to swear the oath to King James who wanted to bring him under Catholicism. And they pleaded with them to recant and repent in the wooden to put the older woman out first so that the young woman would see her die and they kept them there till the tide came in. And the sang and the praised. I tell you, their roots were deep. And the young 18-year-old that stood out on the banks and they shouted at her to give her the last moment and pleaded with her, pleaded with her. And she quoted scriptures and she sang, I tell you, my friend, you think that you're doing something. We do, I do. And whenever the tide came in over, they ran in and they cut her throat to stand for truth. I went up into the wee graveyard at the kirk and there and I rubbed back the moss of the stone and there are the two names on them. The roots were deep. Stretch out your hand this morning and ask the Lord to touch it. Lift your heart to the Lord this morning and say, Lord, touch me. I'm only playing at this. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree and shall grow like the cedars of Lebanon. And every root that's not deep and grounded in the Savior's love will be shaken in the next months and years. This is a testing time from now on when this boy takes the throne and proper. We see who we have. We see where the roots are. May God bless this word that took a lot out of me to prepare and a lot out of me to preach. But may the Lord bless it for his name's sake. Amen.